Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined today by two of the greatest philanthropists in all of combat sports. First up, we've got Boxing Hall of Famer, the great Teddy Atlas, founder of the Dr. Atlas Foundation. And we're joined by special guest, founder of the Good Fight Foundation, the Diamond, Dustin Poirier. Welcome to the show, Dustin. Thank you guys, man. Always appreciate the invite. It's great to see you guys both. You know, that, that brings me right into, Dustin, uh, when I say appreciate you, I appreciate you, and I know all the people too, I think I'm representing many people when I say what I'm about to say, that not only that you fight like a champion uh, in that octagon, but that you behave like one outside it. And I just, uh, I just felt compelled to say that. I didn't come on here thinking about saying that, to be quite honest, but um, it's... You know, not everybody knows how to, a lot of people know how to fight, but they don't know how to behave um, like that representative of the fighter that they they present in the octagon as a champion, as a gladiator, as a warrior. Uh, along with that goes the responsibility of, of a certain behavior outside it. Because people do watch, people do follow, people do... Uh, you know, like the like Charles Barkley said many years ago, I don't want to be a role model, but whether you want to be or not, uh, people will look at you in those kind of ways, uh, especially young people. So I just want to tell you thank you um, for behaving uh, like the the champion you behave like at all times. Thanks, Teddy. I um, just try to be authentic, be myself. And I'm not perfect, but I feel like day after day, year after year, I'm making improvements, you know, and, and making better decisions, making less mistakes and, and growing just as, as we do in fighting, you know, you get hit with a good jab. You want to learn how to slip the jab in, in life. You do something dumb. You don't want to do that again. It's just an evolution of, of maturing and being a, and growing into a man. And, you know, I'm thankful that I'm recognizing things and, and making better decisions as, as I get older. The only thing I would add to that, Dustin, and it's 100% and it's explained the right way, it's about one word. Um, it's, a, it's an important word in, in, our, in our society. Caring. That you care about those things. That, that they matter to you. Uh, whether it's invoked by you know, maturity, because you have your father, you know, whatever it's invoked by, but that you care. And I think we all need to care. <laughs> sometimes uh, a little bit more um, about such things. And I just appreciate that very much. And having said that, uh, I'm looking at you and for the, for the beautiful fans out there that are joining us, that love you and that are good enough to watch this program, uh, that's, that prove to them that you're not bald. Um, let me just see. Yep, yep. You're not bald. It, it just cropped, cropped very tight, and you got that. You got that hat. I like the hat representing that great state of Louisiana. Yep, there it is. Um, I know the hot sauce can't be far off if the hat's there. The the hot sauce, <laughs> the, hot, the hot sauce has to be close somewhere. But when I see that, when I see your hair cropped like that, you know, I'm always thinking about history. Uh, it's connected in boxing so much. It's connected in all sports and all of life. But boxing goes back so far. And I remember 
the golden years, they call it, the 20s, the 30s of boxing, when boxing was bigger than baseball. I mean, there were fighters that had 300 fights. Yeah, 300 fights. There were fighters that had uh, 110 knockouts. I mean, you go back to Henry Armstrong and, and Sam Langford and Sugar Ray Robinson. I mean, they had over 100 knockouts. Forget about amount of fights, just knockouts. And there was a certain way they carried themselves. I mean, these guys were, you know, they were special. They were, they were men among men, men, but they, I mean, you had all the other sports that came later, but the boxing, you know, the, the champion of the world. And it was no accident, anything they did, you know, how they dressed, how they looked. And I think about Mike Tyson when I talk about this history, because, you know, he was a great, he was a great, uh, believe in history you know he followed the history of boxing and back in those days the heavyweight champion was jack dempsey and he was huge he was like he was like babe ruth i mean that's how big the sport was and he kept his hair cropped like you (laughs) you know he kept his hair cropped on the sides and mike tyson mike tyson went and did the same thing when he was fighting when he was in his prime when he was knocking everybody out when he was tyson if you will he had his hair cropped like that because it was con- it connected him to those fighters, to that history. He felt there was a certain strength in that, in, in looking back and being a little bit like them. I was just curious. Um, do you ever connect yourself with the history of fighting? You know, whether MMA, whether whatever, whatever form of it. But do you ever connect with some of the fighters back in the day? I'm definitely a, a student. Of, of fighting history. And I do learn a lot from watching. I'm a, you know, a visual learner. You can tell me something 10 times, but I can see it once or twice and, and learn better some that way sometimes. So I, I watch tendencies. A lot of the greats have, I would ever say I uh, dressed like a, a fighter that I looked up to or, or cut my hair a certain way, but definitely in training and, and uh, fighting, I, I try to mimic certain things. Yeah. I mean, Tyson, Tyson, for the people out there that, might not be aware of this, and you might be aware of it, but when he was, again, when he was in his heyday, when he was that meteor going across the sky, lighting up the sky, and lighting people up in the ring, he he didn't wear socks. He just wear he just wore black shoes. Do you I, know I, the... Yeah, he, I know that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he didn't wear a rope. <laughs> he, you know, because Let's those fighters... He wore a towel. He put a towel over. He cut the towel in the dressing room, make a slip, put it over his head, and bang. Let's go. Let's go fight. Let's, let's go do... things like that image that you haven't seen, wearing a, a towel with your head cut in, in the middle, kind of gave him a, a, a different aura. It's just, it was, uh, it fit who he was. And, and I remember those things because of him, you know? Not because people talk about it, but it's because those, those images are burned into my brain of him walking out with a towel and um, him wearing those, those black boots, those, t- those type of things are forever. You know, when you do something different like that and you were the guy he was at that time, that, that just, those things just, as soon as you started talking about it, I knew where you were going with it. The fight game is so mental. It's 75% mental. What is it in your business? Is it 75, 80? What, I mean, what would you say that the mental side is? Yeah, I, I, would, I would think 80. I would think around 80. Yeah, see, that's, that's, that sounds right to me. Uh, so Tyson was looking for a connection, anything mentally that could make him feel better, make him believe more. 
you know, of course it's about training, it's about you, it's about, you know, being in shape, it's about technically understanding what you need to understand. We understand all that. But then it comes to the confidence, the belief, the mental toughness. And that's connected to to these things we're talking about. For Tyson, it connected. If he could be a little bit more like those guys, he could feel a little bit more like those guys. And those were guys that he wanted to feel like because they represented the best, the toughest, the strongest champions. That ever go on with you? Yeah, I I, I understand that fully because um, I'm not sure. I think it might have been you I've heard say that the ninja's coming over the wall when yeah. you're in that locker room. Yeah. Small, small things like that, like putting your feet in those boots before you're going to walk out there into that crazy crowd with a man standing across from you. Putting on those boots, getting that you know, extra boost or, or that, that link of confidence that you've seen the greats before you do that, that knocks off some of those ninjas coming over that, that, that so well put. Yes. Yeah, it just gives you that momentum mentally, that mental momentum going before you walk out there and everything you can add up and stack to that is, is just going to help you. No, that's, that's beautifully put. I mean, that's exactly what I've, I'm thinking. And you, you put it, you put it right out there for the people, because I think that we can help people understanding some of these things that, you know, whatever their fight is. Because in my mind, we're all in a fight. You know, for me, boxing is life. And and we're all in a fight. It's just a matter of what are you fighting for, you know. But, and whatever it takes to to win that fight, whatever it takes to feel the way you need to feel to overcome the things that a fighter has to overcome, the doubts, the insecurities, you know, the people that said you were never going to make it. You know, there's plenty of people out there that are fighting that fight. You ever think right. about that, uh, that in that in those kind of terms, Dustin? Oh, for sure. We're all, 100% we're all fighting something, whether it's, you know, our day-to-day -day life, everything that's going on, the bills coming in, um, you know, family member. We're all fighting something. Life is a fight, like you said. And um, there's so much, everybody goes about it differently. You know, like me, I'm sure you've been in hundreds, thousands of locker rooms with different types of fighters. I see, I've seen guys who are cool, calm, and that gives them a strength mentally to be, feel like they're in control. And I've seen guys who are maniacs in the locker room, um, working out for 30 minutes before the fight, drenched in sweat, exhausted before they even walk out because that gives them a mental boost. Everybody's different. And we're all trying to find that, what, what gets us in the right zone uh, with fighting, um, I guess with life as well. But uh, we're all searching for that. Does I'm going to throw some at you because we're in this topic right now, the the mental phase, and I think that everyone can relate to it out there, their own fight, and what they need to win that fight, whatever it might be. So I'm going to throw some at you. I I'm not going to name the fighter because I would never do that. I wouldn't. Uh, I believe in you know, uh, personally, never putting a person in a position that might be awkward for them or uncomfortable for them or sensitive to them. So I'm just going to say this guy went on to win a world title. And it was just before he was going to win the world title, to be honest. And I'm there with him. And I'm outside the locker room. All of a sudden, an emergency call was like, you know, when you see the emergency alerts on TV, you know, everybody running for, Teddy, Teddy, got to get in here. Got to get in here. Got a problem. <laughs> got a problem. So, uh, all right. Okay, let's go. So I walk in the dressing room and Dustin, when I tell you this, this might be new to you too, but being of who you are and what you've been through and the things you've overcome, uh, if anyone's going to relate to it, as difficult as this might be for some people, I think you will. I walk in there, and again, he's going to be a world champion. He's not yet, but he's going to be a world champion. So you know how good he is. I walk in there, and he's crying. 
He's crying. And and the people around him are all panicked. I mean, all panicked, like crying. I mean, like <laughs> they've never seen this before. And they can't, obviously, they can't comprehend it in their minds that, that he's crying. He's a, a top fighter, going to fight a top fight with a top contender in about f an hour. And, and he, he's got to walk out there to that ring and he's crying. And so the first thing I said, you probably won't be shocked by this. I walk in, I look at, I can't show any panic in my mind because then we're all dead. So I, I walk in, I look at him, I say, ah, glad to see you normal. <laughs> glad, glad to see you normal. Yeah. Glad to see you feeling the same way as the other guy. You know, glad, glad to see that. And, uh, and then we'll do the next thing, which is normal for you now. Is to take it, put it over here. Means you're ready. Means you that nature got you ready. That you're prepared to do what you got to do. That you're sharp. That you're alert. You're aware of what's in front of you. And let's go win this freaking fight. You know, <laughs> something like that. And <laughs> you ever anything like that? You ever cross upon? Yeah, I, I've seen it personally. With uh, like you said, I won't say any names, but I mean a top fighter who's fought for the belt. Um, you know, been around for a long time. I've seen him in the locker room. And uh, his coach is talking him into the fight, him saying, I don't want to walk out there. I don't want to go out there. You know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And, uh, I, you know, of course, being a fighter, I can, I know what he's going through, you know. Um, wow. I, I, I have a good bit of fights. And, um, but I, I cornered my buddy, Eve Edwards, who, who's a pioneer of mixed martial arts, probably has 70, 80 fights mixed martial arts fights and I cornered wow. him in his retirement fight. And before we were walking out there, he's going through it too. And I, and I'm like, you know, this is a guy I, I look up to and still look up to, but a guy with more experience than anybody I know in mixed martial arts. And he's going through the same thing that I go through and that everybody else has to be going through. And, uh, he tells me, he says, um, it never gets easier, you know, and I'll never forget that moment. Cause, cause then he walked out there and went and, and fought, but, you know, we always face the lights, but those feelings are going to be there. But that's like you said, that's, that's what keeps you alive. You're supposed to feel like that. If you don't feel like that, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And, and what I've learned in my career is uh, every fight that I go into every when I'm in the locker room, I'm expecting to be a little bit more in control of those thoughts. But you're not. You're just more acquainted with them. That's right. When they when when they come now, I'm like, they're, they're, uh, here you are. You know, I'm supposed to feel like this. We're fighting tonight. Tonight's going to be a good night. You know, when I feel like that, it, it's uh. I just recognize them, and I, I know them better, but, but I'm, they're still very uncomfortable. Yeah, you, you know, you, when you feel them, you said it beautifully. When you feel them, you know you're ready. You know that yeah. everything's working. Everything's working. You know, all systems go, baby. You know, nature's at its best. It's got you ready. It's got you alert, you know, because there is something that you're going into there that needs that. You're attempting to do something great. Those feelings are there because what you're about to do is so important your body's preparing itself and like we just said fighting is so mental um it's just how how do you digest those feelings and and make them fuel you you know and and use the fire to fuel you not burn you how do you use that fire to cook with and provide with and and you know that's a juggling act we're all learning every time we we warm up in that locker room but it's what a ride, man. What a ride. Dustin, the, the one thing you said that I think a lot of people can take, uh, take something from is it never gets easier. It's with anything. What Anything that you get better at is like uh, even with running. It never gets – training never gets easier. You just get faster. And yeah. I think that's what's important to recognize is like, 
oh, you went in there and dominated in the last fight. It must have been easy. No, it's just I executed better, but the training was just as hard as it always is. We're talking about the mental side. You're 100% right, but the mental side, that's what we're talking about. That that, that fear, that, 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 that moment, that moment, that... that you know, moment of truth, uh, the, when the ninjas can come, when you're alone in that locker room. It's the hardest yeah. part. It's the hardest part. Because like, it, Go ahead. It, you mentally toughen up over time, just like a weightlifter. They, they might build calluses on their hands. The weight doesn't get lighter. The weight gets heavier probably as they go. But with the brain, these are reps that we're doing. We build like a mental callus to those emotions. But the weight is still there. The weight is, is there and, and probably getting heavier each fight. You know, right. every fight out, you have more eyes on you. Every fight out, it, it means more. There's more riding on it. And uh, you just build a callus mentally to prepare yourself for that load. You know, I'm so glad that I went into this place that it just happened to go because, I don't know, it just felt like it needed to go there because there's so many people out there that can be helped by this conversation that, again, their fight. Their fight. Yeah, they're not getting in an octagon next week. I get it. They're not getting into a boxing ring next week. I get it. They're not even wrapping their hands to throw punches. But they're fighting something. Something. And sometimes they, f they feel the same way. Like they want to run away from it. Like they can't handle it. Like it's too much. Like I'm going to give in. Like I'm going to submit. And understand that if a great fighter like this man who's talking to you right now and the guys that I just talked about, but we're, we're keeping it anonymous, but that this great fighter just confirmed to you, if they can feel that way, it's okay for you to feel that way. It's okay, you, it's okay, it's natural. It doesn't mean that you're less, it doesn't mean that you're yellow, as that old stupid term used to be used, you know, to try to call somebody a coward. It doesn't mean that you're less of a person, less of a man. No, it means you're normal. It means you got to understand it. And you got to understand it's there for a reason. And use it. And overcome it. And be better for it. So I, I just hope that people get that message. And having said all that, let's get right to your last fight where people want to talk about. Here's the way I'm going to go into that, Dustin. Will the noise ever stop? It never will. <laughs> will it, will it, it never ever will. stop? It never <laughs> I mean, here it is, all the noise, he brings it back, okay? And then the fight ends, you win the fight, and then there's more noise. I mean, now there's pictures up about his, his legs showing that it was, saying that it was, there was a fracture before the fight. And I've even heard that there was one doctor that even said, yeah, it's a fracture there, but it's not a fracture in the area that would have, that, that, you know, that would have uh, compromised that particular you know, bone or, or would have affected him in that particular way. Uh, I don't know what it all means. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I can only relay the news that is being said, you know, that's out there. But he did put the pictures up. There is more noise. What do you make of it all? I, I right off the bat, mentally, I just feel like it's weak. It's weak. Um, it's excuses. But I'm trying not to read too far into it or go down these, you know, days of, of reading what videos are out and what people are saying, because I'm back home with my family. Um, it's a win on my record. I know I did what I needed to do in the fight, uh, pre-fight, my training camp. I crossed and checked all the boxes I needed to check, gave it my all. 
and went out there and then you know like like you like we're saying it's noise whatever people are going to say or he's going to say it's just it is what it is you know um i'm healthy i'm safe i'm back home have another win on my record and i'm still the number one contender so that's those are, those are facts let me say one other thing before ken jumps in there um having having said all that when the noise came because the last time, the last fight, it was nice and quiet. Nice and quiet. Whatever happened to quietness? I don't know. But well, there, there, were, <laughs> there were a lot of excuses in the last one, too. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. He was, uh, he, was getting, he was getting ready to box. He wasn't focused on mixed martial arts. He was getting ready to fight Manny Pacquiao. And uh, that, that's, you know, a lot of reasons. A, a lot of reasons. A lot of excuses. But before that fight, the atmosphere was a lot more peaceful. It was a lot more quiet. And then this fight comes and, you know, he brings the noise. I mean, you see the difference right away or yeah. from all kinds of directions. Let me ask you something. Did you, as a fighter, as understanding the mental side of it, did you immediately, did you think that, hey, he's desperate. He needs the noise. He, he needs this. That, that's exactly what I felt. I felt like uh, when we looked at each other in the eyes of the press conference and I just seen his mannerisms, I thought I saw a man who was nervous who was trying to um convince himself that that he's the guy that he's built himself up and the fans have built him up to be you know that's what i saw hey guys quick break to give a shout out to today's sponsor privacy.com privacy.com lets you buy things online or send money using a virtual card instead of having to use your real credit cards or debit cards I've said this before, but after, as someone who's had my credit card info hacked online, I now exclusively use privacy.com for all my online purchases. It's free to use. It allows you to track all your online purchases in one place. You can even get 1% cash back on all your purchases with the pro service. If you'd like to give it a try, head over to privacy.com slash Atlas, and you'll automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase if you sign up now. Again, free to use. Please check them out. It's a great service. And by signing up, you're also helping out the podcast, and we really appreciate it. Head over to privacy.com slash Atlas, A-T-L-A-S, to try this free service and get $5 to spend on your first purchase when you sign up now. Today's episode is also brought to us by Athletic Greens. I love this stuff, guys. I've been preaching about it for the last couple years. I'm just back from the fights in Vegas, and I credit Athletic Greens with getting me home safely. I know I sound like a broken record, but honestly, I love this stuff. I take it everywhere. It's made from 75 whole food sourced ingredients. It's got vitamins, minerals, probiotics, prebiotics, and antioxidants. These guys at Athletic Green spent 10 years with top nutritionists and doctors to create this formula. It's like an insurance policy for your body's health and immunity. So to stay on top of all your immunity needs with 12 servings of fruits and vegetables, you have no need for multivitamins or whatever else you might be taking. Athletic Greens has you covered. Athletic Greens has given our listeners 10 free travel packs with their first purchase. So whether you're looking to boost your energy levels, support your immune system, or address gut health, Athletic Greens is the way to go. Simply visit athleticgreens.com atlas. To claim the special offer of 10 free travel packs with your first purchase, again, that's athleticgreens.com slash atlas. Ken, go ahead. Do you have a question? Yeah, I wanted to ask you, um, after the first round, you, I mean, you won the first round 10-8 on two of the three judges' scorecards. So, I mean, prior to him injuring his leg, it looked to me like one-way traffic all night. He had a few moments in the first two minutes, but I'd say the last two and a half, three minutes was just a one-way beatdown. 
Um, could you feel him withering in there? And did you, I mean, I'm assuming you were excited for round two based on how round one, round one went. I, I, I slipped across. We threw crosses at the same time. I slipped his, and I kind of threw a looping cross that touched him good. And there's a, um, now I know, I saw the same eyes that I saw in Abu Dhabi when I heard him on the feet. He makes a certain uh, expression and his reaction is a certain way when he's hurt. And now I've seen it twice, but those eyes, those, uh, it's hard to explain, but I know. And I saw exactly what I saw in Abu Dhabi when I had him hurt. Um, so he, he was hurt before the, the grappling and he, him clinching and, and the takedown and all that. He was hurt on the feet. And uh, I really feel like if he wouldn't have engaged in a clinch, I think I would have finished him there. I, I saw the same look in his eyes and I knew I was a punch or two away from sitting him down. How surprised were you when the fight ended and they waved it off and he was still on the floor with his leg bent in half you know, area where it's not supposed to be broke, still talking crazy and that he wasn't. I mean, it, it gave you an opportunity to look like an even bigger person again by tell, saying he hopes he get you hope he gets home to his beautiful family while he's threatening death on you and your wife. Like, how surprised were you with the antics after the fight was over? Yeah, that was a little surprising, but this guy will, will go as far. You know, he'll, there's no boundaries to to this man's um talking and hype and stuff that he would do. I, I was surprised that with the broken leg, he was sitting there still talking, but the things he said, I wasn't surprised because he was talking crazy all week. Um, you know, fighting is kind of when you're in the moment in, in the eye of the storm, it's kind of crazy. So I didn't know his leg broke when we, cause we both were punching at the same time. He went down then I started punching him. I didn't know his leg was broke till the, the bell rang and I started walking away and he was sitting on his, um, on his butt kind of holding his leg. And I saw that there was no, that his ankle and the leg was kind of hanging. There was no resistance. There was no bone there. It was just like a, a flap of skin there. That's when I realized, oh, he broke his leg. You know, as I'm walking to my corner, my cornerman runs in and we make eye contact and I say, he broke his leg. You know, this is, this is over. But I, I didn't know in the moment that it was broken. Dustin, with, with all the stuff and the stuff that you just, you know, you just talked about that he was saying, um, that is in your mind as a fighter um we understand there's the fighting part and there's the entertainment part there's the image part you know there's a reason why certain people make more money it's it's not always about just their skills we know he's a terrific striker he's been a terrific fighter he's been a meteor that went across we understand that and we understand you how tremendous you are and if i use one word for you i wouldn't use meteor uh, he had a meteor-type talent that, that just struck the sky, like Tyson in many ways, in many ways, and struck across. You, I would use one word, resiliency, character. I use two words, I'm sorry. But um, that's what I would use for you, uh, resiliency, um, a rock, um, substance. You know. And, and I'm taking nothing away from him, a fighter. He's the kind of fighter he was. Tremendous, brilliant talent, everything. But... There was a component there, like there is, you know, whether it's whatever fighter that, whatever entertainer that gets the fans, that gets their attention, it gets them in the seats besides their fighting talent or their athletic talent. Uh, it's got to do with the other kind of ability to promote, to, to, to put out a certain image or imagery, if you will. And how much of what he says is to keep that image alive? Really, 
How much of what he says, forget about all the craziness and terrible and um, lack of respect. I mean, it's hard to forget that. We can't forget it. But put that aside for a second. How much of what he says is purely not about the athletic part, not about the fighter part, about the image of Conor McGregor that he's built up into this into this brand. Let's be honest. This this multi million dollar brand. How much is it to keep that alive with the fans? I think most of it, ninety percent of it, ninety five percent of it is. Um, he's an incredible entertainer that gets people interested in these pay per views or gets people interested in whatever product he's he's coming out with next. Um, and one of the best promoters that's ever done it. I mean, I've never seen a promoter promoting something, lining up the next fight, sitting there holding a broken leg. You know, it's, uh, it's, incredible. it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's incredible. It is. it is. I mean, it's it's promotion on steroids. I mean, it's promotion <laughs> from the planet Xeon, wherever that is. I don't know where it is, but uh, yeah. we've never seen it before. I mean, uh, it, it, and normally for just, a second, you see the, the, the normal person. You know, when that bell rings or on an injury like that, there's a glimpse of that normal person. There was none there. That's it so was, true. It was the character. And maybe that's him. I don't know him personally. Maybe that is 100% him. Or maybe that's, that's become him. Maybe that's become him. That, that, uh, that I don't want to call it a cartoon figure, but like that figurine, like a superhero figurine that some people look at him as. You know, uh, it, maybe it's become him that, that he can't separate the two, that, that he needs that to stay alive, to be yeah. relative. Um, yeah. that, he, that that talking on that mat with that broken leg, incredible. Uh, the things that were spitting out of his mouth. It's like it's to keep that guy alive. It's to keep that bad guy, that bad guy, that whatever you want to call him, th to keep that alive because that guy sells. Call it whatever you want. It worked. Every media outlet's putting out, you know, we got to see these guys fight a fourth time. Uh, his been before. Uh, just, it works. It worked. A hundred percent. It did work because I can't, who would want to, I, I get that people want to see him because he's created this bad guy image, but in terms of competitiveness, that first round was a one-way beatdown. In the first last fight, you knocked him out. Like, why do we have to see this again? I get the entertainment value, but in terms of pure competitiveness, let's get Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier next. Let's get the number one contender after that. Like Dustin, I mean, uh, Conor McGregor, like that, that show of classlessness at the end of the fight was just over the top for me, and I think for a lot of fans as well. But watching on Twitter and listening to some of the, I posted something about you and I after the fight, and some of the responses were just like over the top, like Connor super fans. I was surprised at how aggressive people were. Hey, people want to listen. You, <laughs> a lot of people would rather see. Mr. Hyde than Dr. Jekyll. <laughs> they're, not, they're not interested in Dr. Jekyll, the, the nice, good doctor that takes care of people, that wears his suit and says, hello, goodbye, have a good day. How you feeling? I hope you feel better. They want to see, uh, see Mr. Hyde rip people apart and, and, <laughs> and act like uh, Mr. Hyde can act like. That's what gets ratings. And it's, it just sucks that we uh, live in world like that that you know the toxic parts of things are the things that that everybody's drawn to everybody promotes to get more views to get more clicks to get anything i mean we can bring it all the way back all the way to the news you know we're not it would be great if the news was just showing everything good happening in the world 
because there's a lot of good if you look around around yourself there's great things happening all over but it's always uh, a lot of negativity and with social media and the and the fast-paced world we live in that's just what people are, are gravitating to and and whenever somebody like this you know gets best gets beat by a better fighter that night they just can't believe it they just can't understand that this could happen they don't you just said it so well they can't believe it you said it they can't believe it but fighting is truth you know and, and there is truth to fighting and that's what happened you know you know dustin um let me get back to the cage. Let me get back to the first round. Let me get back to the physical things that were happening, the technical things that were happening, the truth, as we just said, the truth, away from everything else, away from the noise, the truth. What? And that's what we're here for. But we're here to cover everything, and we're covering it all. And, and I, uh, hopefully uh, the fans understand and appreciate that, and I think they do, uh, because uh, the fans are very smart, and they, they want to know all dimensions of what's going on and they can learn those things in some ways having an interview with somebody like you it's like being allowed to get into the locker room it is for the fans to get in the locker room behind the scenes and really see what happens you know and and not too many people get that peak and get that chance so back into the octagon in this in the last not this fight but the second fight when you when you knocked him out uh there was one moment where he got a little too close, he gave up his reach, you, you kind of drew him in, he got a little too close, gave up that reach, gave up the, what he does best, which is really counterpunching, to be quite frank, and you counted him, you counted the counterpuncher, I was like, I mean, bravo, bravo, because I, when I see that kind of stuff, that science, the sweet science, it's not an accident, you know, so, oh, he landed, a, no, he didn't just land, he landed because of this, because of technique, because of thinking, because being calm in an uncalm environment, that he was able to set up, he didn't just land, so I thought it was magnificent, so anyway, you land the counter left hand and you hurt him, and to your point, and to what I understand as great fighters, is he tried not to show it, but you knew it. You knew it. He couldn't hide it because you felt it. You knew you got, you know you're a puncher. So when you landed it, you were like, oh, no, he's, he's hurt. And what did you do? Oh, 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 you finished him. You went after him and you didn't stop. That was the fight. It was a relentless rainstorm of punches and you didn't let him, you didn't let up. This time, the same thing happened. There was a moment you caught him that left hand again. And he got hurt. This time he did something different. To his credit, he did something different. I, in my business, I call it clinching. He fell. Your business, it's called getting going to the first phase of a takedown. You know, to to a you know to going in, um, going in for uh, whether it's called the takedown or the shoot, whatever. But for me, it was the old-fashioned clinch. He got hurt, and he didn't want to. He, he wanted to stop your offense. And the best way to stop it was to make sure what happened the last time didn't happen again because it would have happened again. He fell in and he clinched. And then from that clinch, it took, a, it took kind of a natural progression that happens in, in your sport. It went to where you wound up going to the mat and then you wound up suddenly in a situation where he had a chance for a guillotine. And... And he went for that guillotine. I, I see a little more than, than just somebody just seeing punches throw. So what I saw was all of that. And then 
He falls into the situation. He didn't mean it to be that, but it fell into his lap. Literally in his lap. You were in his lap. And you were unbelievable. You stood on your head. Oh, oh my goodness. You made <laughs> me think about Lomachenko when he walks on his head. Uh, un- unbelievable. Uh, you got on your head. You made your moves. You got out of it. But up to that point, he, it, all of a sudden, it's like he had no choice. I don't think he wanted to get into that. Because I think there was a fear that, that he couldn't complete it. He would be, he would be up, you know what, creek. You know, crappy creek. Uh, he'd be in a problem because it would take so much energy. And if he couldn't finish it, he was finished. And I just felt like he felt that. Like, like he didn't really want to be in there, but he had no choice. He goes for it. And then once it didn't work, it was like, oh, shoot, I'm done. <laughs> Did you feel that? Yeah, he definitely didn't want to be in that position, but he knew at that same time he wasn't being punched at the moment. He was protected. Maybe it's not a good position, but it's a better position than he was in. Yes. And uh, as a fighter, we know those little battles that happen inside the fight. There's small battles that happen in the big battle. Yes. And, and that's, what, that's what that was. That was him protecting himself. Maybe, you know, okay, I'll, I might be on my back for a little bit this round, but I'm not going to get finished on my feet. He was hurt and he was protecting himself. That's what I really think happened there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly what I was. And I think I'll take it a little further. I think because he fell into it. He he got hurt. He went for the clinch, whatever you want to call it. He went for the clinch. He protected himself. He survived. He had to survive. And, and then all of a sudden he winds up on the mat because you guys wind up on the mat. Uh, we don't in boxing. We, we don't you don't do want that. to. If, you, no, if no. you're there, it's bad. Oh, no, no. Boxers don't want to wind up on a mat. No, that's for a lot of reasons. One, if they had someone like you in there with them, they sure as hell wouldn't. And two, you don't want to be on a mat. You want to be standing on your feet. It's not good being on a mat. Um, people start counting, and that's bad. And all, all of a sudden, he's on the mat, and like I said, it, it, it just happens. Like, okay, I got a shot for the guillotine. And like I said, I really thought that he didn't really fully want to do it. It was like, oh, shoot, what am I going to do? Like you said, I, it's better than standing up and getting hit. So he went for it, but I just felt like there was a feeling like when he went for it, like, now what? Like, like, did you know right there the fight was over? I guess that's what I'm getting at. When I postured up and started throwing elbows, um, I, I could hear my corner. I think they were saying a minute 30 seconds. I don't know if it was right after the takedown or what, but I remember them saying a minute 30. And I just knew I needed to keep working. I could see uh, the ref kind of stepping in closer as some of those elbows were landing. But in the back of my head, I was thinking um, that uh, when he was squeezing the choke, like I know his arms are going to be tired because I felt how hard he was squeezing. And if we're going off a of history, he's not a, he doesn't, as the fight goes on, that pop, that counterpunching ability is going to be less effective whenever your arms are filled with blood from squeezing. So I knew it was just, everything was going in my favor. I felt like I was at the, you know, in the driver's seat. You know, I wanted him to squeeze, him to strain, get blood. Let's get worked up because uh, I have a lot of confidence in my cardio. And uh, I just thought every round from there, oh, my corner's now yelling, there's 30 seconds left or whatever. Okay, let's get to this next round because there's going to be less chance of him landing a good counter shot, less chance of him exploding like he would before because I'm going to get stronger every round. And I know he's going to start fading. He can't keep up this pace of, of, of that. That's what I felt. That's, that's exactly that's that's what I was thinking. Let me take it to this next one, this next question, which all the fans uh, are waiting to hear. Uh, we wouldn't be responsible if we didn't get to this one. Uh, when <laughs> you know, it's all speculation. We get it. 
Now speculation, did he have an injury going in? Hey, listen, first of all, before I even go there again, um, when you, I know in my business, when you, and I know football too, my son is the, is the, is the head of scouting, uh, the, the head of scouting for the Las Vegas Raiders. I always, I'm always tempted to say Oakland Raiders, I forget. But yeah, for the, La, yeah. Yeah, the, Las, <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders, I mean, he's the director, assistant director of scouting for them. So I know about football, I know about that it's very rare, almost impossible, Dustin, do you agree, to get through a camp not hurt, not dinged up. I mean, if, with if what we do. I mean, if you're training for a fight, you're you're gonna you're gonna go into the into fight week with something going on, whether it's an elbow, a wrist, a hand, an ankle. Something's gonna be busted up. Something's dinged up. So that that yeah. first of all, for the people out there, so that's a natural thing. That's that's part of the landscape. That's part of the environment. It's part it's part of being a fighter. And so he goes in with whatever was wasn't. Like he's saying, he's purporting now. Maybe it was a hairline fracture, whatever. But he made the choice. He he goes in there, and do you find it curious? Because this is the place where a lot of people wouldn't go. But I know the fans got to be thinking about. Do you find it a little curious that if his leg was hurt, as he said he knew it was hurt, that he went so leg heavy? It's not smart. It's not smart game plan if it is hurt. You know. Um especially where he was kicking. He was kicking not my thigh or my calf muscle. He was kicking at my knee. Every yeah. kick was bone on bone. Um, Why would you go? If you I know wouldn't. you're going in, exactly. That's what I want to hear from you. I wouldn't. I mean, you're going in there knowing you're compromised, right? What, but, you're, but your hands aren't compromised. Your arms aren't compromised. But your leg is. And that one particular leg is. Why do you go heavy on that leg kicking? You don't. You don't. Why did he? I'm not sure. I know. Even, but... with, even with technique, usually you want to set up these kicks. He was throwing them by themselves. Yeah. Um, usually you want to punch before you kick, kick, you know, just to set it up, just to get me thinking about something else. Uh, he was throwing kicks by themselves, single kicks by themselves directly on my knee. I'm not sure why he did. Maybe, maybe it was in his head that he needed to come out and show me that he can do it too because I, I tore his leg up in the, in the second fight. I, I have no clue. I have no clue what his, him and his coaches were thinking. Um, I, I, and back in my head before the fight started, I thought he might come out in an orthodox stance uh, just because then my calf kick wouldn't be there as a southpaw. And uh, that's what I was thinking going into the fight. I said he might try to fight this orthodox for, for the first round. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Dude, listen, I'm going to joke with this when I say great minds think alike because I'm not a great mind. But that's what I was thinking. I almost tweeted it. I almost tweeted it before the fight. You know why? You know what brought me to that? Partly what you're talking about, but when you guys were doing the square off, uh, when you're doing the square off for the, you know, for the cameras and for everything in the uh, second weigh-in, uh, when you were doing that, he went orthodox. Did you catch that too? Did yes. that get into your head? Yep, I saw it too. It made me start thinking. I didn't go... I should have went back to the other weigh-in picture to see if that maybe that's just how he st he does at weigh-ins. Maybe he stands that. I don't know. I, di I didn't do that, but I should have looking back at it. No, no. Sometimes we could overthink things because you did what you yeah. had to do. Yeah. So that could be a day. But that's uh, <laughs> I can't believe you just said that because I started. You know, I'm I'm 
I'm a caveman. I'm a Neanderthal when it comes to, you know, knowing how to do anything on Google. I, you know, Google, I think it's like Google Eyes. I don't even realize there's a company, Google, that, that you can find stuff. I mean, somebody had to tell me that like in the last year or so. But so I'm, I was thinking the same thing. Can somebody please go and find some pictures of him in prior stare downs to see if this is normal? Because I, I, I want to know if what I'm thinking is, is legitimate, if, if it has right. legs to it. I, I was thinking the same thing. Um, you know, and if he would have came out orthodox, um, if he truly believed that the calf kick in the, in the second fight caused the damage and, and ended up, you know, leading to the hands landing, whatever he was saying for the second fight, if, if he would have came out orthodox in this fight, it would have completely took that calf kick away. I would have had an inside leg kick, but that's a lot more dangerous because it's easier to check. Um, so why didn't he kicks. do that? So why didn't he do that? I know you, you know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I know yeah. I'm asking a rhetorical question. I get it. But why did he do it? Because we're, we come from a different place. We think like, like you know, in the mental zones of fighters that they do things for a reason. And, and, and if he would have also the, um, you know, just like the backhand is the power hand, um, if he came out orthodox, that back kick would have been the, the healthy leg if the other leg would have been hurt. So he could have threw power kicks, high kicks, body kicks from the other leg without um, compromising his hurt leg if it was hurt. There's a lot of things, but we, we can go in circles all day. No, of course. Stuff, but, but, but it's such a mental business that, listen, um, you start to wonder. You start to wonder a little bit. I'm not going to say it. People out there are waiting for me to say it. They're waiting for me to say it. I'm not going to say it. We're just wondering. We're just covering all bases because it's a, it's a real, it's a real interesting place. That mental environment for a fight. It's a place that most people would would. I mean, there's a lot of monsters in that place. There's a lot of creatures. It's like going to the bottom of the sea, and you see these things with things where light up, and you know, <laughs> there's a there's a lot of things that people haven't seen when they go into those dark domains. And I, I uh, should I spit it out? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> is it possible that subconsciously you, uh, you know where I'm going? Is it possible that subconsciously, I'm not accusing him of anything. He's, he's a tremendous fighter, tremendous champion, everything. But is it possible that you go into that domain where conscious, subconsciously you, you go and you're, and you kick with a leg that you know is compromised um, with maybe the thought that if other things don't go right, this might be something that is a way out. Oh, I, I, I <laughs> damn it. I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to say because I'm not a Q. We know he's a warrior. We know he's a sound. I get it. You guys all are. And I, and I do this to you. I do. I mean it for my own. I do this, but I understand the mind. I understand the yeah. mind. I can't help it. I can't help it. I've been in this business 50 years almost. 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 I don't know if I'll make it. But after saying that, I might not make it to 50. But uh, I, I can't. But you know exactly what I'm saying, Dustin. Uh, sometimes yeah. those, uh, that, that mental pressure, that, that place with all these monsters, it can take us to places. Uh, subconsciously. Subconsciously, like you're kicking, you know you need to kick. Okay, yeah, but you're kicking with a compromise. And hey, if it happens to, if if it works, it works. But if it don't, 
maybe that maybe that's maybe that works maybe there's maybe that gets me out of this and maybe i get another shot when i'm better yeah help me dustin help me (laughs) i don't know what happened i can say if he did or did not have i know you know know in your phone you can save camera like a file with pictures he might have had a file with a bunch of ankle wrapped up pictures that said plan b (laughs) (laughs) oh this thing is going viral baby (laughs) we we done done it we done did it we we done did it we done did it um listen all respect for all fighters everything my final thing on this to bring it full circle um, at some point it either got broke when it got broke or something further broke it or broke it period broke it for the yeah. first time to weaken it to the stage where he could throw a punch and then step back and it collapsed because that's not normal that, that's yeah. not normal so we have to think as thinking people that something weakened it something we're not saying that we know for sure because we don't we're speculating, but we're speculating with our brains, you know, with, with experience and with what makes sense. So people all want to know when would or could have been, and again, it's all guessing, but sometimes it's educated guessing. What could have been that moment? There was that moment that you checked his kick and you pointed. And and you pointed to, as though you knew, as though you were saying to me, I, I could only tell you, and then you're going to answer it. But to me, it was like you were saying, ah, you just hurt your leg. <laughs> yeah, I, um, like technically, the, the checks, I didn't get to full proper check on, on his leg, any of the kicks he threw, because he was quick. But I did get time to turn my knee outward to where it was bone on bone, the big part of my knee on his foot or on his shin. And we made that impact a few times. But at the beginning, there was one where I barely turned my knee out. And it looks bad on me because my whole body, I mean, he's kicking me hard. My whole body's still moving. It's looking like a kick's landing on me, but it's bone on bone and it's getting him worse than it is me. And uh, there was one at the beginning he threw that might've been the ankle or the foot that hit. And I just knew that it hurt him. I've been kicked enough and I've kicked people enough years and enough times that I know I, you just know. Same thing. You know when a good punch lands. No matter what poker face the guy has, you know you got him. You that, know. that hurt you. Yes. Same thing with body shots. You land a good body shot. Guy acts tough, but you know that elbow's a little bit tighter to that to the body when you when you square back up. Exactly. And there was a kick at the beginning that um, I just felt it, and I knew it hurt him. So that's why I pointed. So it could have been that. It, it could have been one of the other ones. But he was kicking my knee every time he kicked. Did you hear something? Did you feel here, whatever way I want to say it? No, that, I, I didn't hear anything. Okay, no. okay, but but you but your judgment, your experience, as you just said very beautifully, um, told you that there's a good chance something just got hurt. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I just knew it, it wasn't good for him. I mean, like I said, I've done so many reps of receiving and giving kicks to the legs that I know when it when it lands bad, when it when it's a bad one. And I felt like at the beginning there, he felt it more than I did. Go ahead, Ken. 
One of the interesting uh, one of the interesting stories to come out of um, the after the fight. Um, speaking of uh, being the bad guy and the good guy and hyping the fight, is um, Jake Paul couldn't get in there fast enough to um, show everyone the hundred thousand dollar necklace he had made of uh, Sleepy McGregor with the Nyquil. Uh, do you have the chain there with you? And if you do, can we see it? And when are we auctioning it off? Do. It's right here on. It's right over here on my counter. And when are we, um, when's it going to be? <laughs> Wow. That's got to be one of the funniest things to wow. come out of fight week. When is that going to be available for auction? So we have a meeting tomorrow night and we're going to um, talk about it with the good fight and we're going to figure out what the funds are going to go to. We're going to start planning that. And I believe probably in the next two weeks, we'll figure out what platform we're going to auction it off through and try to raise a bunch of money. And uh, we're going to do something. We're doing a lot of different things now. But we're going to do something in Lafayette, Louisiana, with these with this uh, auction of, of this necklace. So I hope you get a million dollars for it, and I really <laughs> I mean it. No, I mean that from my heart. Uh, I do because it couldn't be going to a better cause. And can you talk about now that we're on that subject? Can you talk about what you do for you know building wells for the pygmies and and then you even mention a collaboration with Manny Pacquiao. Uh, could you elaborate on all, all the things that you're doing, please, Dustin? Yeah, so with the Good Fight Foundation, we, do, we don't have one specific thing that we're tied to. We just do whatever we think in that moment we can help out with in the community, uh, outside the community. But right now, with this last fight, I'm auctioning everything off that I wore to the Octagon and raising funds uh, for Justin Wren and Fight for the Forgotten. He's dedicated, you know, a lot of his life to bettering the lives of the pygmy people out there in Uganda. And he's done amazing things. And we're teaming up um, all three of our foundations, Justin's foundation, mine, and also Manny Pacquiao has a nonprofit as well. We're coming together to build housing in Uganda for the pygmy people, and uh, I'm excited about it. The land that we're building on was bought during the Khabib, my fight with Khabib, when we sold everything, auctioned everything. We built water wells there, and we had roll excess money. We had rollover money. So we hit the goal to build the water wells, and we had an overflow of cash, and we ended up buying 40 acres of land. Oh, uh, for the pygmy people and now we're going back full circle and building housing there so it's just incredible to be part of um hopefully we we raise a lot of money with the um fight kit that we're auctioning off and all these homes get built i'm excited about i have a 5k run coming up with the um, good fight foundation and saint jude's children's hospital as well as a back to school drive we're putting together and then we're going to have a, something big that we're going to do with this chain so we're just trying to keep keep it moving, keep helping as many people as we can. Uh, I I think we're succeeding at that. Well, you are. It's beautiful. It's it's it should be applauded, and I just want to say thank you. And and as I say thank you, I know I'm saying thank you for a lot of people that can't say it, uh, but they're thinking thank the you. same thing. Thanks. And um, I I know we had sent you a donation from the Dr. Atlas Foundation, my foundation that helps people. Yes, sir. Um, I'm gonna send you another one. You're gonna. You're gonna get this one's gonna be for five thousand dollars. I know it's it's not the money that you could get from that bracelet. I wish it was, but it's five thousand dollars that can um be put to good use for what you're doing. That's incredible, man. We appreciate you so much, Teddy. I uh, appreciate you. Appreciate good people like you, and um, we can't have enough of them. To be quite quite frank, and um, you know, getting back to the boxing, the mental part, the emotional part, all that. You just went through. And this question has to be asked because it's an honest question and it's an important question. Um, you've been through two tough camps. I know better than most, you know, because this is what, this is what we do. 
And I know what goes into those camps. Forget about the physical stuff, but the emotional stuff, especially these kind of camps with this kind of fighter. And you just went through basically two back-to-back camps with all this physical work, all this emotional turmoil and everything going on. And now next up, you're supposed to be fighting for the title against Oliveira. Um, I'll just put it the only way I can say it, the fair way, the way I would say it as a trainer if it was my fighter involved. Uh, Do you need more time? Because I would think you need some separation. I I really, I would, as a trainer. Yeah, Yeah, I'm... uh just like it's been a week you know since the fight and i'm just starting to feel normal again like myself back home in louisiana uh waking up with my wife and daughter not in training camp i'm just starting you know you get and especially when you come home from fights like this you're getting pulled in so many different directions people want you here they want you there and uh i'm just starting to feel like i'm feeling normal again i I call it when you drink too much you have a hangover i call this the bangover after a fight, it's a week long, <laughs> yeah, two week sure. long, you have a bang over. You're just processing everything, getting back to normal life, trying to feel normal again. And uh, that's where I'm at right now. Um, I'm taking it one day at a time. I'm not agreeing to anything, not signing any contracts, just digesting it all, um, enjoying this with my family. I'm going to take my, my family on a vacation. Uh, we're going to go to, to Destin, Florida for a week, sit on the beach, and then just relax and spend time, have conversation down, get away from the computers, just enjoy each other's company. And after that, um, but I'm already training. I've already trained twice since I've been back with, with my buddies here in Louisiana, they have fights coming up. So I'm always training and always, you know, around these guys. Uh, but for me, what's next is just to breath, enjoy, my, enjoy the win, all the work, the camps that I just put in and, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens and what timeline that's going to be. But right now I'm not even worried about fighting, you know, uh, about what's next for that. It's kind of like a deep sea uh, fisherman, a deep sea diver. You know, they go way down. You went way down. You went down. You went down pretty far. And when you go that's down. That's the new there, one, Teddy. That, that's the new one. Yeah. We were firemen, but sometimes we've got to be. We got to be uh, deep sea divers too. Yeah, you you got It's a good one, right? We just created another one. We'll use that one too. And and when you come up, you got to get into that decompression chamber. You you know yeah, you exactly right. No, you're 100 percent right. And um, that's exactly what you have to go through. Um, go ahead, Ken. Uh, well, since you don't want to talk fighting, I won't ask you about the next fight with Oliveira. I'm assuming that's what's next, so we'll leave that for the next show. But um, talk to us before we sign off with you about the, uh, any new sponsors you're working with or run down the list. I think that these people that get behind you and endorse you and sponsor you deserve to be credited. And I think that that's lost on a lot of people is that that's where a big part of your income comes from. It's not just what you make in the ring from the UFC and nor do you want it to be right. You don't want to be beholden to one organization. So maybe talk about some of the uh, companies that are helping you to do the things you're doing and live the life you're living. Yeah. um, Celsius energy drinks has been, you know, with me. Got it right here. My man, I got a case right here on the, on the counter. Um, Been with me since before the, the second Connor fight, you know, of course, a lot of people are trying to jump on board now, but I just, you know, um, price went up yeah there were a few that were that were riding with me before the last two big wins so celsius energy drinks thanks for everything they were actually in vegas they were part of the, the after party they set up everything um they brought the whole crew so i really appreciate them uh, Samsung, you know I, i'm still super excited that i that i got to deal with samsung man um i'm such a fan of their products and for this thing to happen like that organically like it did me talking about them when i was speaking to joe rogan and then they reached out to me and said hey 
We want to send you some stuff. And then we started working together. So Celsius, Samsung, and Vanquish Clothing, thank you guys for the support. And uh, definitely makes these camps a little bit smoother and a little bit less stress when I know, uh, you know, I have a team behind me. Yeah, that's great. You know, Dustin, I, I want to, before we, before we, you know, tie this up and, and say thank you for giving us this time, um, you mentioned a kid in the audience that was had his own fight going on with cancer. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, um, this kid's name is Peyton Murphy. He's from Louisiana. And right before I left for training camp, we did a fundraiser for him and his family. And um, me and my wife, the Good Fight Foundation, decided to, to get him tickets to the fight and fly him and his mom and dad out there. And, um, you know, and I don't think they've ever even been on a plane before. So this was a big a big deal for this, this young man and his family. And, uh, but we flew him out, had him in the audience. He's back home safe, but uh, he's battling uh, cancer. He had a very rare bone cancer. He found out about it, I believe, when he was in high school. And uh, it went into remission and then returned. And uh, that's where he's at right now. But staying strong. Uh, like I said in the, in the ring, I meant that. He's a real fighter. I don't have to lace these gloves up. But he wakes up every morning uh, without a choice to, to, to fight. You know, so he's the real fighter and uh, it's inspiring. And I told him that and, and just to have him in the audience and have him there um, was amazing, man. I'm, I'm thankful for things like that. Like we were talking at the beginning of the podcast um, about growing and making mistakes and learning. This, this doesn't have to do with making mistakes, but this does have to do with recognizing where you're at and the platform you have and the things you can do. And I'm just appreciative that I, I am noticing things that are, that are there that I, that I, I can be part of um, to elevate someone's life, our outlook on life. Um, it's just, it's just powerful, man. I'm thankful. And uh, you know, wish Peyton and, and his family, nothing but the best. And um, you know, I'm still talking to him here every, every couple of days, but, but yeah, that, that's the story behind that. Yeah. That's beautiful. I mean, that's, that's consistent with what, what you have been and, and you are. And what we've been told, and why I said at the beginning, what I said, you know, thank you for not only fighting like a fighter, but behaving like one, uh, a champion fighter. So appreciate that, and um, we hope that we hope that his fight, uh, that we know he's going to continue fighting. That's obvious. We hope that he wins that fight, and um, we'll be. I, I know I'll be sending a prayer out for him, and I'm sure many people watching this will be doing the same thing. Thank you, man. I'm sure he'll be super excited to hear that they were all in his corner and, and to hear you saying your support up here. I'll, I'll message him. That'd be great. That'd be great. And uh, I just appreciate your time. We, we all do. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. And last thing, what does your daughter say to you when you come home from these camps? <laughs> I don't know how, who she's talking to, but she doesn't watch the fights. I think the little kid across the street, the, her friend she plays with almost every day, she told me in the living room, she said, Dad, you broke Conor McGregor's leg. Oh. And I, <laughs> I don't know. Just to hear her say Conor McGregor's name, she's never said his name before, but it just blew me away. We're sitting here on the rug in my living room, and she said, you broke Conor McGregor's leg, Dad. I know you did. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Wow. 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 That's, wow. <laughs> I mean, uh, what would what'd you say to her? I said, yeah, I did. I did. That, no, I mean, no, you should have said, no, he broke it. He hit my yeah, leg. He, 
<laughs> he broke it in training. I, I told her the truth. I said, oh, he broke it in training camp. And then... there, there it is. Yeah. There it and is. Here's the x-ray of his ankle to prove it. There yeah. it is. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. You're a great person, great champion. Thank you, Connor. Uh, Connor. Thank you, Dustin. I'm thinking of... Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking about the guy that um, doesn't always behave quite the way that you do, but um, he's a terrific champion. He's been a terrific champion. There's no taking that away from him. Uh, that's obvious, but um, there's no taking away the fact that you separate yourself with your behavior, as I said earlier, uh, as a champion in all ways. And, I, and listen, I think it's only fair to say I know he's done good things too. You know, I, I yeah. have to catch myself. And, and I have to, you know, I always try to pride myself in being fair and being honest about such things. And um, he, he's done a lot of good things too. He's, 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 done, he's done good things from, from reports that we've heard. Um, so we, we appreciate that too. But we appreciate you. We appreciate the person you are, the man you are, the way you behave every day. Not just, not just for those 25 minutes uh, when you get in the octagon, you behave like uh, all those great samurai of yours do. But outside it, uh, when when uh, nobody's watching, we appreciate that. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Teddy. Thanks. All right, Dustin. Thanks. The unofficial third member of our broadcast team. You've been great. We really appreciate your time today. Thanks a lot, champ. We'll be speaking with you soon. Thanks, man. Talk to you guys soon. Take care, Dustin. Yeah.